Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. So where do you go when everything in your life that has meaning is taken away? Where do you go when your heart has been broken? Or when you begin to see that the things that you trusted in and put your hope in could not sustain that hope? They were never intended to. Where do you go? When I was 16 years old, I was in a pretty dark place. And I know some of you that have been around the last nine years, I've shared this story before, but it's the only story I have. (laughs) I was in a dark place. My dad's drinking had gotten really bad. Parents' marriage was breaking in front of me. My older brother was away on the East Coast at school, and I was an only child at the age of 16, trying to make sense of all that. Things I put my hope in, Playing on the school soccer team, all of a sudden I went from playing a lot to watching a lot. I was told I wasn't strong enough. I needed to bulk up. I have no problem now, I guess, with putting on weight. (laughs) But at 16, it was a a struggle. And a girl that I would describe as kind of that first love, first girlfriend, broke up with me and started dating the captain of the soccer team. Ouch. And I'd been told my whole life, like, if you do these things, you do well in school, you work hard and all that, then good things will come to you. You'll go to a good college and you'll get a good job and you have a good life. And I found myself at the age of 16 asking a lot of philosophical questions because life didn't seem to work out the way I was told. My heart was broken. And maybe you've heard me share before, it was into that dark place of being brokenhearted by a lot of things that I started reading this little Gideon's Bible that somebody handed me, discovering a God who heard, listened. You could cry out to, you could ask these questions, God, where are you? that time, I wasn't sure I believed in anything, but I know that when I first started reading the Bible, it was different than what I thought. And beyond that, there was this group of people, some of the guys I played soccer with and other people in my high school, that they seemed to be clothed with a joy that was beyond what I could understand. And it was the combination of discovering the God revealed in the scriptures in this community of people clothed with joy that drew me, I believe, by God's grace to follow Jesus for the first time. Can you remember your story? Maybe some of you have always known God, but maybe you've had a time like I just described in which There was a lot of brokenheartedness. 
there was a lot of questions about where God was and what has he come to do. Well, today we get to hear about that from the prophet Isaiah. We get to hear about why God came and how a people formed in his name have always, always been a part of his plan. So I invite you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And it reads like this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of grace, disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I The Lord loved justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. So Jesus read this passage. On the day that he began his public ministry, 
As he stood up in a synagogue, it says the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him, and Luke records this in chapter 4, and only a portion of this reading is contained in that Luke 4 section. I was reminded, one of our elders, Brian Wyatt, spoke to our presbytery on Friday, that after Jesus read this passage, he said to the group gathered there in the synagogue, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And Luke records this, that all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Gracious words spilling out of God the Son to all who would hear. And Jesus indeed would go on and fulfill this scripture. Isaiah said that this, this servant of the Lord, the one upon whom the Spirit of God rests, would proclaim good news to the poor. And what were some of his first words on a sermon on the mount? Blessed. Blessed are you who are poor. Isaiah said that this person upon whom the spirit of the sovereign Lord would rest, that he would proclaim freedom. Freedom for those that are held captive. Do you remember the story in the Gospel of Luke? There's a woman that comes to Jesus who's bent over for 18 years. It could not straighten. And Jesus says to her, woman, you've been set free from your infirmity, and she straightened and praised God. The servant of the Lord that Isaiah spoke of some 700 years before Jesus walked on this earth said they would come proclaiming good news, setting people free. That woman was evidence of Jesus being this one servant of the Lord who came to set people free. Think about this for a moment. For centuries now, contained in the Word of God, we know that it is the will of God to send His Son to bring good news. It is the will of God to send His Son to bind up the brokenhearted. It is the will of God to send His Son to proclaim freedom, to help people see again and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It is the will of God to send his son to bring comfort, help for those who mourn. I was struck in this passage that that this servant of the Lord, that I believe Isaiah was speaking about Jesus, the son of God, we have this three words, proclaim, proclaim, proclaim. Two different Hebrew words. One is basar. It means to announce good news, like a messenger, somebody that stands in a public space and says, good news. There's a new king. Another word, Hebrew word, karo. It means to call and to shout. I love this. The Son of God was sent to us to shout, you are free. You are free. I 
This past week, I had the privilege of being a part with some of the being a part of a retreat with our pastors from our presbytery, the geographical region uh, that we are in. And our speaker this week virtually was Daryl Johnson, senior pastor here in this place some years ago. And Daryl was speaking to us out of the book of Revelation, reminding us that in Revelation chapter 1, the voice that comes to John, the, the receiver of these, this vision, the seeing of this vision of what is to come and what is. Daryl spoke to us about this voice, and his voice was like the sound of a trumpet. I was sitting there just a few minutes ago when Pat was playing the organ, and I half wanted to say, Pat, will you get on the organ and play the trumpet? Should have thought of it sooner. Have you ever been in a place where just a trumpet is sounding? It's clear call. His voice was like the sound of a trumpet. And then later, it's interesting, the image changed. His voice was like the sound of rushing water. Ever stood by a waterfall? Where the water is coming over at such a rate that you can't hear anything else other than the sound of those rushing waters pouring down. That was the voice. And the spirit of the sovereign Lord was upon Jesus to proclaim, to call, to shout with a voice that was unmistakable and undeniable. And in a world where people make all kinds of promises with their words and with their voice and some use words as weapons to tear people down, let us remember that God's voice is different. The voice of God is what created all things. He spoke all that we have and all that we see into existence with his voice. And the voice of Jesus is one that announces good news and freedom. When he said, you are healed, people were healed. When he said, your sins are forgiven, their sins were forgiven. This is the one that we follow. Revealed to us in the scriptures, born out in his people, this is the one upon whom the Spirit rested and proclaims to us that we have been set free. But there's a shift that happens in this passage. Did you notice it? The first few verses where the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I, I, I. And then there's an interesting shift from the I to the they. The purpose of this messenger sent by God, whom the Spirit of a God has anointed, announces a purpose for a people. Let me say that again. The purpose of this messenger sent by God, anointed by the Spirit of God, is to announce the purpose of a people. His purpose was to redeem a people, to create a new people who will rebuild and restore. 
and in all kinds of different images. They will be called trees, oaks of righteousness. And then all of a sudden, those trees are people that are rebuilding cities. It's as if Isaiah, inspired by God's Spirit, is grasping at any illustration that might make sense of this deep mystery of God. Oaks, rebuilders, restorers, priests and ministers. How many of you have ever introduced yourself to a neighbor or friend or someone that you haven't ever met and they ask you what you do and you say, I'm a priest, I'm a minister, according to this? We learn from Scripture, we, not just us, up here with the suit coat on and the microphone, are priests and ministers. What scripture calls us. We are a royal priesthood. What does a priest do? Mediates and, and interprets God to the people. Do you see yourself that way? Very first church I stepped foot in, University Presbyterian Church, its tagline on its bulletin, I will never forget, is every member a minister. Every member a minister. Do we see ourselves that way? Hundreds of years before Jesus walked on this earth, Isaiah, through the prophet Isaiah, God says they will be priests and ministers. We will serve our world in the name of God. We will mediate the things of God to the world. We are the ones as the people of God designed to show God to the world. Like that little community of my friends in high school that, that their zest for living, their joy of being in community, they showed me what God was like. Perfectly, no. But truly, yes. We are priests and ministers of God, no longer ashamed, but full of joy. The oak trees of righteousness are those that inherit a double portion and everlasting joy will be ours. These oak trees of righteousness clothed in praise are the rebuilders and the renewers of our city. The priests and ministers of God. That is what we are called to be and to do. And then in this middle section, it's all about what we are to be as a people. The passage shifts once again. The passage returns to speaking about the one who brings this all about, the Lord who loves justice. The Lord who makes an everlasting covenant with his people because he is faithful. 
This one sent by God is clothed with garments of salvation. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that word, that word Yeshua, salvation, from which the name Jesus is derived. Now, prophet Isaiah is given these words again as, as if he was looking for images and illustrations that the people would have known, things from their lives that they would have seen and understood as a bridegroom and a bride. Just last weekend, I was privileged to officiate the wedding of Greg Spicklemeyer and Kent Nichols. Bride and the groom, beautiful. And we all know when we go to a wedding, even though this was an informal gathering of mostly family up in a hillside in Grass Valley, Greg dressed in a sharp suit and his bride in a beautiful dress. It's what you do at a wedding, right? And what Isaiah is saying, just like we would expect at a wedding to put on special clothing, this messenger of God is clothed with garments of salvation. And then he moves on. He says, as, as soil sprouts and as a garden grows. Isaiah uses this imagery of, of bridegrooms and brides and soil and gardens. Does this sound like anybody else we know? Jesus would come proclaiming messages of freedom, inviting people into the kingdom of God, using images just like this. Wedding feasts and seeds. Gardens and things growing. And the result of all of this is that righteousness and praise will spring up before all peoples, all nations. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And in the very last book of the Bible, bless you, the very last book of the Bible, we read of these images of a wedding and a garden city. And as we have been given this commission to be priests and ministers of God, to be rebuilders and restorers, those that are with and for our city of Sacramento, may this be in our image, in our, in our mind's eye, what kind of city will we help to build? One that is marked with, with love and grace. That feels like living in the midst of a garden. The city of trees. But listen to how the book of Revelation, its final chapters end. And you'll see these images of the wedding and the garden together. Revelation 19 said, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, 
And his bride has made herself ready. That's us. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And there's this in parentheses, as if we were to miss what it all represents. It says, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. What we do matters by the grace of God. The righteous things that we do in his name is like the clothing at the wedding. Let me say it again. It is not that we are saved or we earn God's favor by doing these things. It is the natural result of our relationship of being married to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Out of us flow things that are good and beautiful. And then in Revelation 22, we see clearly this image of the garden. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. We're given this marvelous image of a tree, tree-lined river, where the trees do not bear its fruit only in summer or in the winter, every month. And the very leaves which are beginning to fall around us and clutter our yards are not bagged up and thrown away. Those leaves are for the healing of every nation. That is the trajectory of what we are heading towards by the grace of God. Even so, the book says, come, Lord Jesus, and make this a reality. So, today, are you poor, materially or in spirit? He has come to bring you good news. Are you brokenhearted? He has come to bind up your brokenhearted and heal you. Are you held captive by habits, addictions, attitude, and sin? He has come to shout your freedom. And together, the poor brokenhearted prisoners set free. By God's grace, we become the oak trees of righteousness, priests and ministers of God, called to rebuild and restore the broken places around us. May we be the people that are with and for our city. Because we are children of a God who is with and for us. Will you please pray with me? Our gracious God, 
we see in the scriptures, this has always been your plan to use a people, to create a people, to redeem and restore a people that will then be acts, agents of redemption and restoration in the world. God, may it be so. May we cast aside the things that hold us back, the sin that easily entangles us. May we run this race of being rebuilders and restorers for your glory and for your kingdom's sake, always having our eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who came to bind up our broken hearts, to proclaim good news, and who has set us free through the cross and who has given us new life through his resurrection from the grave. May we be with and for our city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the sanctuary for classic worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for modern worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.